0: Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's com slash Wondery.
1: Welcome to episode 11 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Ben and I'm joined as per usual by my co-host Drew. Thanks Ben. Each episode we will
0: sample beers both local and beyond while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at ons for the most up-to-date show information.
1: And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or stream each episode on wannabewalkons.com. New episodes drop during the Nebraska football season every Tuesday at 11 a.m.
0: On this week's episode, Ben and I will posture on the pasture with Lazy Horse Brewing of Ohio, Nebraska. We'll share our thoughts on the Nebraska-Michigan State game And get you ready for Nebraska's homecoming matchup against Northwestern.
1: I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wanna Be Walk Ons. So Drew, we have plenty of things to talk about today, but then again, we also have very little that we really need to talk about today. First and foremost, we have our $20 Husker Hound giveaway winner to announce, and that is going to Garrett M. Garrett, we will be reaching out to you to get your contact information so we can send you over that gift card. Congratulations, and thank you for listening. Congrats, Garrett. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Enjoy the 20 bucks. Yeah. Buy something fun. Yeah. Don't spend it all in one place. little gift card humor for you to start the show. <laughs> that's
0: what we're here for.
1: So that's what we have for housekeeping. Let's dive in and we will first start with what we are drinking. Today we are featuring Lazy Horse Brewing out of Ohio, and Nebraska. And Drew, I've got uh, a nice little profile on them for you. So
0: lovely. sit lovely. back, let's relax,
1: sip a beer, and uh, let's learn about Lazy Horse Brewing. Ohio and Nebraska is an unassuming village in Fillmore County, about forty miles south southeast of York. Ohio was incorporated in 1887, founded on compromise by settlers from Ohio and, you guessed it, Iowa. In 1920, the village population reached its peak at 433 residents. Now it's home to just over a hundred. Two of those residents are Jim and Julie Stutzman, owners and operators of Lazy Horse Brewing in Ohio and Nebraska. While the village may be unassuming, the beer certainly is not. My first introduction to Lazy Horse came by way of their salted caramel blonde, which I was expecting was going to be a blonde overpowered with artificial caramel, too much sweetness, a gimmick perhaps. What I got was a balanced blonde with a kiss of salt, a beer that resembled creme brulee or bread pudding hold the raisins, without coating my palate in unnecessary sugar. I was blown away by the notes of French toast and vanilla balanced by the backbone of the blonde. In the unassuming, out-of-the-way little town in Nebraska that nobody knows about sits one of the best breweries the state has to offer. Jim Stutzman serves as the brewery's brewmaster while Julie handles the financial and business end. They're supported by a full-time employee or two and have several part-time helpers. Lazy Horse, which opened its doors in 2015, draws its name from the horses that roam the pasture outside the brewery. What began as a humble brewery to provide a fun experience for locals has grown into a business known across Nebraska. According to Jim, Lazy Horse's original plan was to do beer through the taproom, and they even turned down a distributor in the early stages when demand for the beer began to grow across the state. Then bigger retailers like Hy-Vee began to contact the Stutzmans, and they made the decision to expand. Now Lazy Horse beer can be found in stores, bars, and restaurants all across the state of Nebraska. Six years after opening the brewery, Lazy Horse was met with more acclaim as they were made the official beer of the Nebraska State Fair, a title Jim and Julie hold with pride. As important as accolades are to craft breweries, they don't mean much to Jim. In a recent social media post, Jim said the following, I was told this weekend that I'm not very good at bragging on our beer. I just don't feel comfortable saying we are better than anyone else. That's not me. The reason I'm so proud of this beer is because of the people that work here and with me and make sure this beer is perfect every time. They make sure the important steps are done perfect every time and they never miss. So I guess while I'm not willing to brag about our beer, I am willing to brag about our staff. They are without question the best in the state and I wouldn't trade any of them for anyone else. While there may only be 100 or so residents in Ohio and Nebraska, it's clearly a case of quality over quantity, and that's just the way Jim likes it. If you find yourself looking for an adventure, a good beer, and some open space to clear your mind, make your way to Lazy Horse Brewing in Ohio and Nebraska. And that's Lazy Horse Brewing for you. Nice. Yeah,
0: I was really looking forward to trying some more Lazy Horse beer when I saw him pop up on on the agenda that you created for us. And like you said, that salted caramel is just a really outstanding beer. Yeah. Um, I remember it it caught me off guard the first time I, I tried it too. And you know, when you, when you talk about a a brewer that doesn't like to brag, I think a lot of them are like that. A lot of these people that we're coming across are really down to earth and, and humble people um, that kind of let the beer speak for themselves. And, and, you know, lazy horse has that in their salted caramel. Like that, I think to me, that's like their standout beer. Mm -hmm. And is kind of like the flagship the same way that like a vanilla
1: bean blonde is for infusion or Absolutely. or cross strain has very nectar. Yeah there's almost this this chase for a brewer as opposed to trying to chase after accolades they're trying to chase that perfect beer on their own taste buds and you can really tell it from a brewer who's dedicated to making the best beer possible not because it's going to win awards but because they have this innate urge or need to make that kind of beer And when I was reading through some news articles and reading social media posts from Lazy Horse, that's what really jumped out at me is they're very much focused on providing an experience for their community. They want a place that people can visit from out of state or out of the town or out of the area and come be surprised by it. They want to show that there's a lot to offer across these communities across the state. And it's not just about the beer. It's about the people who make it and create it and take care of it. So that just really jumped out as a great kind of fit for what we're trying to do here is build community around beer and college football and say all are welcome here so drew why don't you tell us what we are currently drinking at the moment
0: all right yeah we're drinking the blueberry wheat this is an american pale wheat clocks in at 4.2 percent abv and and we've had a blueberry wheat before on the show right we had one from bottle rocket kind of interested in, in comparing similar beers and finding out the ways that they they stand apart much in the same way we find ways that these brewer, breweries stand apart so you know this guy to me is a little bit hoppier there's a there's more bitterness coming through on mm-hmm. this one which for me that's that's kind of what i prefer If we if we steer away from that tartness of the blueberry and allow some of those other flavors to really pop out lazy horse has done it here they found a way to still still balance it mm-hmm. but
1: again allow those other things to come through But this one focuses on being that pale wheat. So you do get that hoppiness of kind of an American pale ale. And it then kind of mellows out with the creaminess of a wheat or the finish of a wheat. And then you get blueberry all throughout. So it's a really great beer. It's a really interesting beer. If you're a fan of wheats or pale ales or fruit beers, it kind of fits into all those categories. Mm -hmm. If I had a Venn diagram, it'd have three circles. And in the center is this beer. Yeah. So I think it's one worth exploring, one worth finding, one that you could share with someone who's a fan of craft beer but also someone who's maybe starting to get into craft beer. This isn't an intimidating beer by any means, but it is a complex, flavorful beer. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. Awesome. Well, if you get the chance, like we said, check out Lazy Horse Brewing. They're available all across the state in different liquor stores and grocery stores. We'll come back a little bit later to Lazy Horse and sample some more from them. But for now, it's time to dive in to Michigan State. Now, the Michigan State game took place on Saturday, the 25th of September. Nebraska lost in overtime with a score of 23 to 20. Drew, why don't you get us started with wherever you want to go? I'm ready to, <laughs> to dive in. All right. We're going we're gonna, to naturally, we're going to
0: talk about Marcus Aurelius here and uh, his work in meditations. He had a quote I actually found this morning that fit really well with where I am mentally. And so he wrote, be like a headland. The waves beat against it continuously, but it stands fast and around it, the boiling water dies down. It's my rotten luck that this has happened to me. On the contrary, it's my good luck that although this has happened to me, I still feel no distress since I'm unbruised by the present and unconcerned about the future. What happened could have happened to anyone, but not everyone could have carried on without letting it distress him. And so that's Marcus Aurelius. He's writing about positive realism. And so when you're faced with adversity and distress, it's it's about how you react. It's It's that mentality that you have. And so, you know, we talk a little bit about... You know how how the huskers respond to adversity, but yeah. right now I'm more focused on how fans are responding to this. You know we're seeing the same mistakes made over and over again. We're seeing the same strong points come out in this team over and over again to kind of make up for those weaknesses and it's it's hard it's it's that it does feel like we're going a little bit crazy um so I'm just kind of trying to cling onto to that positive realism mindset right now, and uh my brain's not still not hundred percent I'm still dead from yesterday
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i i do think can you repeat that last line of that marcus aurelius quote yeah so his his last sentence there was what
0: happened could have happened to anyone but not everyone could have carried on without letting it distress
1: him not anyone could let on without letting them letting it distress them Mm -hmm. is such a crucial piece to me that's kind of when the light switch flipped when you were reading that quote where it's like okay how do we move forward how do we continue to persevere How do we as a fan base move forward with the pieces that we have in place? How does the team move forward with the pieces they have in place without losing additional pieces, without any fall off? It's one of my concerns when we start talking about defense is how long is this defense going to remain elite when they're not motivated by an offense who's playing at the same level? But I think that enough of the defense shares that mindset of we didn't come back to be mediocre. We didn't come back. To lose games, we came back to win, and if this means we're going to have to take it on our shoulders, I believe this is a team where the defense can start to lead the charge.
0: Yeah, the defense has had that mentality all season. They've had it throughout every single game they so haven't far. Had a choice? They they have. Well, they have though, right? Like they do have a choice. Like they they could crumble. Sure, that's I, fair. It's just not in their nature. Right. Like Collectively as a group, as individuals, they all continue to fight throughout the entire game. They gave us a chance throughout that entire game even down to the, into overtime like right. they gave up they gave up that one big run to kenneth walker but on the goal line they were making a stand like right no no nebraska fan nobody thought we were going to win that game they were still fighting to
1: the the very end right they were giving every opportunity for the game to continue on yes
0: yeah, yeah. they own that mentality um i don't I don't think at this point it's going away. Maybe in a game it does. You know, Maybe there's a play here or there that they they break down and, and it quote unquote costs us a game, I guess. But I they, they've
1: proved it. At this yeah. point, they've proved that they have the right mentality. Last week, we talked about how the Oklahoma game was kind of the put up or shut up moment. But this is that continuation is how do you respond? Clearly, the defense responded well against Michigan State. They showed up. They played their hearts out. And I think, in fact, they probably played even better. The tackling was obnoxiously good on the defensive side of the ball, which is where they struggled against Oklahoma. The, the second half stats were outrageous. Absolutely. And we, we don't have to dive into it just yet. I see you like I'm, yeah, clam- I'm to up. dive oh, into man. it. Yeah. But I, I think that the, my, you've already calmed my biggest concern, right, is that warrior mentality, that mentality you're bringing to the forefront is about perseverance. The fans are going to be the fans. We're going to be who we are. Some of us are going to react calmly some of us are going to overreact some of us are going to underreact it just be like it is what it is this is Husker football now and for everyone it's it's within their own mindset to do and react however they choose to. I tend to try and be a an optimistic positive person moving forward looking for the positives and things I was having a hard time doing that. I was looking for like kiss kicks what's the what's the kiss I can give after kicking? The special teams, the <laughs> offense, the defense. Yeah. You know, after after and try and provide that feedback or that thought process as to how I feel about this game. And in some scenarios, I was having a really hard time finding a kiss. And on the defense, I was having a really hard time finding the kick. Like what's what did they do wrong? Right. I couldn't think of anything. The only thing that came to mind was that personal foul at the very beginning of the game when Thomas slammed the quarterback down to the ground. It's like, well, that was maybe about the only misstep the defense honestly had. Right. My my overall thought from the game last night really just came down and I've harped on this probably every episode of the podcast which is the the desire to excel and no fear of failure and no more was it more empirically evident that Scott Frost is afraid of failing than when he didn't go for the win with two timeouts and 18 seconds left on the clock
0: in that moment we differed on our opinion and we probably still do to an extent I've sure. come, I've I've probably come a little closer to where you're, you're at but go ahead and, and
1: Here's here's just my little blurb that I wrote about it and then we can expand from there. But last night by not trying to win the game with 18 seconds and two timeouts, with a size advantage on three of your wide receivers and two tight ends, Frost showed his most empirical proof of his fear of failure. He was so busy trying to play chess to Mel Tucker's checkers that he forgot they were both playing football.
0: Here's my here's my counterpoint. Sure. Is that they were they were on their own 36. They'd just given up their seventh sack of the game, I think. Yeah. What they needed with that amount of time, they needed to burn one of those timeouts after the sack. And they would have had one timeout left with what do you say, 18, eighteen seconds? About eighteen seconds. Okay.
1: Enough for three plays if you're playing the boundaries.
0: Yeah. A few plays. But they but in order to move the ball far enough, they would have had to allow for passing plays to develop. Sure. And there was not enough protection there for that. And even when there was Adrian Martinez was under such duress throughout that game that when there was time, he st- he wasn't he still wasn't always going through his progressions and finding the open man. Right. Because it's it's almost like he's conditioned to expect to have to scramble out of things. Sure. If you if you make a mistake there, and this is where I understand the fear of failure thing, but if you make a mistake there, and you have a turnover, Michigan State's automatically in field goal range to win that game. Sure. You don't get a chance in overtime. Sure. And so that's where I'm, that's where I'm like, you know, I I understand, I understand it to a degree, but I I also understand how it kind of flies in the face of everything that Frost talks about.
1: You're on the road. You're an underdog. You've never beat a top 25 team. You have the ball in your hands and you have an opportunity. I just, I don't know. I don't agree with it. Yeah. Because again, if we're supposed to be bought in with this culture of we got, we're here to succeed. We're not here to be afraid of failing. If we fail, we fail. But to not even try is is more offensive than what the outcome would have been. Yeah, to be in that situation and to not even go.
0: See, and I, I viewed as they did try. Right, Austin Allen made a nice little run up the sideline there to get that first down, and then they and then they blew it and they gave up the sack. Right, and to me, like that's trying, Re- like recognizing the situation as not. It's not going to at that point. You'd think okay, it's not going to happen. Like let's just take our we have better odds of scoring. In overtime than we do of scoring here, and again, like I understand where you're coming from, and I don't, I honestly I don't disagree. I would, I'm, I'm more arguing just to, for the sake of arguing, playing devil's advocate because I like to disagree and argue, sure. and fair. also I'm a little stubborn. I like to like if I have an idea, I'll yeah. dig my heels in on it. But, but like, but I can at least, I can at least take logical steps and rationalize it in that moment, like probably where Scott Frost was, And right. say and justify
1: right the decision. I can understand where that thought process comes from if it was a different coach if it wasn't a guy who's been preaching this this whole time yeah at this point what does he have to lose by losing the game at this point how does losing the game in regulation feel any different than losing the game in overtime do those things feel any better or worse are those things any better or worse
0: it just doesn't add it just doesn't add up enough as like, here's a here's a good enough chance. Hey, we have a really really sound kicker that we trust right now yeah. to, to make a kick from anywhere on the field at any time. Let's get him into range. Like they don't they don't have that. Hey, we have a really solid offensive line that we can count on to protect our quarterback, allow our receivers to get downfield and get open, and we, we trust our quarterback to, to make those throws right now. Like they didn't have that in that moment. So it was an unfortunate situation where they needed to ro- rely on the weaknesses of their team in order to get to that position sure. to win. And they, and yeah, I don't, I don't blame Frost for not counting on you know, his weakest links.
1: Sure. I just I, don't. Like I said, I understand the perspective. For me as a fan, I don't want to feel like you're telling the team we can't win it here, but we maybe have a shot here. Yeah, they might have all the evidence throughout the entire game that the offense isn't there to do it. But in those moments, I'd almost rather you lie to me Tell me you believe in me. Tell me you can put me on the field and you can put me in a situation or you're going to put the ball in my hands to win the game. Overtime doesn't do that. Overtime gives the ball to both teams and gives them both an opportunity to win. It's not the NFL where if you score a touchdown, you win the game. Then the ball goes to the other team. It, it, It doesn't align with what we're being preached to as a fan base. And I just didn't flat out like it. And that might be just a personal thing where we're both going to be stubborn here. We're going to say, "Hey, you know, yeah, probably here's what it is." <laughs> show show the hands, and we walk away from it. But it was it was a it was a very frustrating decision when the entire game you just felt like we got we got a, a on a shot here. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. let's get off of that subject of a downer and let's talk about special teams. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to start by just saying, Culp looked good. His kicks were clean. Yep. Good for him for getting things figured out. Four for four, two extra points, two field goals, no misses. That's what you want to see. For him, he did what he was asked to do.
0: I just marked it down as, you know, he he was solid. Like, he, not an impressive game as far as, like, booting the long field goals. He was whatever. never asked doesn't to Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't he, matter. He, he was he, asked
1: to make two 28-yarders and extra points, yep. and he did it. He did it. Yeah.
0: I, the only thing that I really wanted, and we just talked about this, I would have liked to see him get a shot to win the game there. Because, what the fuck did we so, just talk about? <laughs> I'm not saying that they should have. I'm just saying if it happened, it, I would have been, it would have been very intriguing. But from a, we have a chance to see where he is yeah, yeah. mentally, uh, like, and, and I like redemption stories and that sort of Who thing. Who doesn't? Yeah, right. So that would have been a very enjoyable moment. Sure. Regardless. Well, not regardless of the outcome, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sad that we didn't get to see that
1: other thoughts on special teams or are you, I, you cool know to just... i
0: do have other thoughts but i actually moved them to our northwestern section okay. so yeah. i'll kind of cool. come back to like based on what we saw in this game you know looking forward what we can expect from northwestern so okay because it's negative stuff i don't want to put it here because if i when i'm talking about it in context of northwestern i can at least make it a little more positive perfect, so perfect. that's important
1: right now well let's talk about the offense
0: let's save ourselves a lot of time and just replay everything that we talked about probably after the Oklahoma game yeah because it's going to be at least for me it's gonna be perfectly identical
1: sure let's hear it. I want to hear it again
0: okay let's do it again Adrian Martinez balled out like not the problem if you think he's the problem you're the problem No. yeah
1: um
0: the interception at the end even like down to that m- moment like Torrey could have run a better route and saved that interception it's a team the, sport you yeah, know? the fumble that he had that was blown coverage. He probably held onto the ball a little too long. That's a shared. Those are shared turnovers. It's shared responsibility there. Outside of that, he was escaping when he when he could, keeping us in the game again. Yeah, he wasn't. Like I said, he wasn't always finding his open guys. But it's got to be so difficult to do that to just to just play a semi-successful game under that much pressure all the time. So. I continue to just be blown away by him. I, I I hope Nebraska fans are just really not taking him for granted. Like, he yeah. will not be here
1: forever. The two middle years that we've experienced Adrian so far have been frustrating, and I'm sure they're frustrating even more on Adrian because yeah. he knows what he's capable of. He knows the legs he has, the arms he has, the ability he has. Last year, I didn't feel it was fair to just go back and forth between him and McCaffrey, yeah. and I was pretty vocal on that. I know talking to you where it was just like, we got to just stick with one guy. I don't right. care which guy it is. You got to stick with him and let him have the opportunity. Adrian is is not the issue. And had it not been for his scrambles, had it not been for the moves he's making, we're not even in this game. Yeah,
0: yeah. He I, there was one he he got out of pressure and found Xavier Betts for I oh. think like a tw- I was on third down and play of the game had we won. Yeah, yeah. And that was a that was on a touchdown drive. Yep, that was going to be my play of the game
1: you know pending the result we all know how
0: it turned out so that yeah. that play probably going to be forgotten you know and sure in everybody's memory but for
1: now but not in the coaching staffs and maybe giving Xavier Betts more opportunities to go ball out as well yeah he's also he's on my list of of people
0: I've written down here on our offense him his growth has been it's been slow and steady but he's he's in these past couple of games he's definitely popped yeah on plays it's and been visible it's yeah exactly it's been visible
1: I also think Ramir Johnson is He's starting to emerge as a really nice running back at Mm -hmm. 78 yards on the day. I like his patience. I like that he's waiting for the gaps to open up, and he's starting to hit them with some decent acceleration. He's not trying to dance and make anything happen. If nothing's there, he gets what he can get, Mm -hmm. goes down, lives to fight another, another play. Against Michigan State, he had a lot of nice runs that weren't incredibly long, but they were long enough where you're like, okay, he's staying up past that line. He's getting through. And he's hitting those gaps. I don't know if that's a testament to the blocking. I doubt it. But it is a testament to the kind of patience he's showing and how he's developing as a running back. So I think that... I, I don't think he was on anyone's radar maybe to to start the season as a bell cow, but he's turning into a damn nice one. Yeah, he was always the fourth guy mentioned
0: in that in that grouping. And, you know, Gabe Irvin's injury is very unfortunate because because he was in a similar boat. He was really starting to show up and, yeah. and kind of show why he was in that, in that conversation to begin with. But Ramir Johnson always stuck around you know through it all and and he's taken his opportunities and he's made the most of them so I've been very impressed with him I like I said I'm I marked him down just as you know he's earning every single yard right now yeah absolutely you're waiting for the moment when he gets like a real great block and everything just opens up and he just he just takes off
1: you're waiting for that moment The only other note I had on the offense I mentioned a little bit earlier was just how much more of this offense will the defense put up with. And you've talked me down off that ledge. How does the defense turn up knowing that the offense is going to be a struggle, knowing that they're going to have to put in the hard work? The more I think about it, the more that we talk about it, the more that I reflect on it. I think this defense just enjoys going out and hitting people. Yeah, I don't think that they see it as a burden. They They see it it. as an opportunity to be back on the field when you see guys like Garrett Nelson – and Luke Reimer and Jojo Doman and Damian Daniels, Je- Nick Henrich, Nick Henrich, Ty Robbins. I mean, you there's not you, a guy on that defense yeah. that is not showing up play after play. Yep. That is not excited to be on the field. Yeah. So what are your what are your thoughts on defense uh on this Michigan State game?
0: My so my notes, my first three words are just superlative, superlative, superlative. Because <laughs> you can't like you cannot say <laughs> you can't say too many nice things about it. Like you like I don't, you, there is no heart there's no knock. There's no. nothing you can say against him right now. No. And there's no reason to. I'm, I, the, the one thing that I took away from the Oklahoma game where I said like they they could improve and I, and I trusted them based on what I had seen to focus on it was the third downs. And I'm probably jumping ahead. I think this is another thing that I, I was going to talk about a little with Northwestern and I still will. They held Michigan State, I think, to one of 10 on third down conversions. And with Oklahoma, that was kind of the, the issue where you know if they ever had a drive that ended in a touchdown it was there was a third down converted on that drive so they weren't making the stops in those moments in this game they were yeah they gave up one touchdown they held michigan state to two field goals inside the red zone they they did everything right and that touchdown was you know like it was the flea flicker and i think everybody on that defense knew it i don't think i don't think anybody was fooled they just got beat yeah they just got beat like that's
1: all it was the defense played great i mean what do you what do you say the the big issue from Oklahoma was tackling I thought and that's what gave up a lot of those third downs is they were hard yards that were gained on the ground they weren't tackling well enough against Oklahoma they came out I mean, there weren't a lot of broken tackles against uh, Michigan State, so no. And against this, against Kenneth Walker, who yeah, was, that was all he did, does. If, if that was, if that was the only time, if you if you just heard the name Kenneth Walker is this great running back, and then you tune in for Nebraska, and Michigan State, you'd be like, which one's Kenneth Walker? You have no idea. Is he twenty-two? Because that's about the only guy that made some hay on the ground against Nebraska, yeah. and even then, got shut down. Yeah, so good for the defense.
0: Yeah, I am glad they're I am glad they're here. They're, like, if there is anything, if you are ever watching a bad movie and everything is falling apart yeah Yeah. but there's like one good actor in there and it's like you're like you're i'm gonna watch this movie for you just to watch your scenes alan rickman robin hood prince of thieves as sheriff not (laughs) again it's a perfect example there you go so i can't i can't i can't um attest to that i guess or validate that i'm not familiar enough but i'm glad you have something there there you go yeah to help you with that analogy boom boom and that's it for me though yeah this defense then is the alan rickman of prince of thieves okay for me for the rest of the season so which who's kevin costner trying to do a british accent <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to put any i don't want to stick a name or a team i don't want that's fine that's not fair that's to the, fine it's not fair to we Nebraska, won't do that yeah
1: um do you have an mvp from this game
0: i had a so i had a couple so obviously Jaden reed from um michigan state boo yeah i know you uh, booed me last three, week. I, a, I booed oh you man, this week. You booed boo. me, boo me a couple times here. He had three returns for 131 yards. Three total returns, kickoffs, yeah. and punts. Uh, that's a 43.7
1: average. Yeah, like I said, they were chewing Nebraska up on the returns all day. It yeah. was just a matter of time. And it unfortunately, was, it was the worst time. It was brutal. It was the worst of times. It was, <laughs> it was, the, like, worst it was time. the worst of times. <laughs> <laughs> Getting in our literary references for uh, all of our
0: book nerds. I also had Bryce Behringer. Um, that nerd. I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that glasses wearing. and
0: ship goggles that he was wearing. Was he playing racquetball?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this dude, okay, so this guy had six punts. He averaged fifty eight point eight yards. He had two inside the twenty. It could have been another one too that, that they almost was through some acrobatics almost pinned us inside the one. Yeah. MSU's so okay, Michigan State, their starting position after a Nebraska punt. Outside of that touchdown was the Michigan State 33 yard line. Yeah. Nebraska's starting position after a Michigan State punt was Nebraska's own eighteen. Yeah. That's that's how you win an MVP right there as a punter.
1: Yep. Is you you help control. Maybe our punters position. need glasses. <laughs> Can't see. It's like uh it's like major league where Rick Vaughn you've seen major league, haven't you? um no <laughs> oh Rick Vaughn wild thing. He, he I know what it is. I know wild what thing is I mean they give him glasses he yeah. lights out oh Solved it's it. kind of
0: like the opposite of we like, don't
1: need a special teams coach yeah. we need an optometrist
0: <laughs> it's the opposite of the nerdy girl in the movie Like yeah. the nerdy girl she takes off her glasses and suddenly she's just this this hot little thing yeah and yeah it's the opposite of that so well done major league to you know take a trope and spin it yeah spin it around Charlie Sheen was such a dreamboat back then. <laughs> I had an MVP moment before sorry, I've got one more. MVP yeah. moment before we get to yours. What screen. other Michigan
1: State player are you getting MVP <laughs> to?
0: So my okay, so my eight-year-old son. Yeah. He was sitting on the couch opposite me watching the game when Martinez threw the the interception in overtime. As soon as that play was over, I said out loud, not in a not loudly like I was all game, but just defeated. I said, that's the game we lost. My son is on the other couch clapping and cheering for Nebraska. And I look over at him, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how can you be a Nebraska fan cheering at a time like this? And he heard me say what I said about us losing, and he, and he stops, and he looks at me, and it's genuine, and it's, it's just pure innocence, and it's beautiful. And he says, we didn't lose. They tackled him. He didn't score. That to me, like that was positive realism in that moment yeah. from that little boy. Anyway, so all that is to say, Chester Cambro did have that interception. He didn't win the MVP for it, but I thought for sure he had the touchdown as soon as he as soon as he took off running. It was like cool, like that legit is game over MVP moment for Cam Jergens ran over 60 yards to make the tackle, and when when everybody else is gonna sit here and dog on this offensive line how poorly they've been playing that's an offensive lineman and the anchor of this offensive line making what could have been a game saving tackle when probably everybody in that stadium knew Michigan State was going to win yeah he did not give up that is the mentality that the defense owns that is the mentality that Camp Juergens obviously owns hopefully the rest of the offensive line owns it and hopefully at some point we see that
1: come come to reality with their play I was not looking forward to sitting down and recording today, but you have slowly chipped away at my pessimism. You have slowly (laughs) brought me back to where I'm like, bring on Northwestern, baby. Yeah, I feel so much better. And maybe that's a little bit of beer at 11 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) Maybe that's a little bit of like, it's just nice to sit and chat with someone about it and get our thoughts out and kind of just, it's like therapy. Just get it off your chest, get it out there. But I think that the things that you've highlighted are enough to say, it's not blanket optimism but it is enough to just say okay things still move forward so i appreciate that perspective so my mvp is you (laughs) no it's (laughs) not too far that's too far there's kierkegaard had we're gonna just throw out
0: all sorts of quotes yeah let's do it um i don't actually have the quote i was gonna look it up but i'm not gonna bother kierkegaard talks about how i think it's either love or friendship and how it can chip away at like at at a heart just covered in ice yeah and that's yeah that's all we need we just need you just need the right person, the right attitude, the right mindset just to chip away at the ice that's covering your poor Nebraska heart right yeah. now.
1: Well, thank you. Anyway, thank you. Let's yeah, what who who do you got for MVPs? I've got Damian Daniels. Yeah. Damian Daniels was where he needed to be the entire game. He's a position that is often overlooked because he's that nose tackle. He's just getting in the way of everything so everyone else can shine. He did not miss his assignments throughout the entire game he played like an absolute monster he had I think he might have had a pass breakup he had his hands on guy. I mean without the effort that he gave as the first point of contact the rest of the defense does not succeed the way they did he's not going to have monster stats he's not going to have a ton of tackles he's not going to be the guy that is making the game-winning play that's your Ty Robinson your Ben Stilley that's Garrett Nelson getting into the backfield all of that works because you've got a guy who's taking a single or double team and filling up those those gaps. So for me, even though Nebraska doesn't come up with the win, this defense doesn't succeed without the very first pillar or building block. And that was him. Unfortunately, he's probably not going to be here next year because he's playing like a, a goddamn next leveler. Right. So good for him. He has earned it. And I'm proud for him to wear the scarlet and cream. I can't wait to see him in the next level. And the way that he is a captain and a leader for that defense, you can't say enough about him. So that's why he's my MVP. Cool. I've got nothing to add to that. Yeah. Cool. That's beautiful. Well, that was Michigan State. Let's put it behind us and let's get uh, let's get to another beer. How's that sound? That sounds most welcome. So our next beer from Lazy Horse Brewing Company is the Milivar Czech Lager, which is a Czech-style lager at 4.3 alcohol by volume. You may hear Czech-style lager and immediately think, well, wait, that's just a pilsner. You're not right, but you're also not wrong. You see, all pilsners are lagers, but not all lagers are pilsners. A lager is a beer that has gone through a cold fermentation, which a pilsner does, but there's a little bit more to it than that. Pilsner literally means from pilsen in Czech. In the mid-19th century, Czech brewers in pilsen were forced to dump 36 casks of beer after having waited for it to ferment when they noticed it had spoiled. Looking for a way to save future batches, Joseph Grohl was brought in from Bavaria and helped the Bohemians save their beer. He added Saas hops to their recipe, which both covered the spoiled flavor and acted as a natural preservative. A traditional Czech-style pilsner is a lager grain bill with the sole addition of Saas hops. This new recipe rose in popularity and eventually spread to Germany, where they adapted the recipe for their mineral water and domestic hops. However, the use of the word pils is more frequent in German than pilsner as a sign of respect to the beer style. The Czech lager recipe with Saz Hops is still used to this day to define a proper pilsner. It's also important to note that the mass-produced American pilsners that we may all be most common with, however delicious they are to our American palates, are not held in the mm-hmm. same regard overseas and cannot legally be identified as a pils or pilsner. Nice. I
0: like how they just they protect their pilsner. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the other things too that that uh, Joseph Grohl brought that really kind of revolutionized beer was that the very lightly kilned malts the Mm. lightly roasted malts and the reason that they were able to do it in pilsen with those light lightly roasted malts was because the water that they had naturally occurring water in pilsen czech republic is very soft and it's very low in in bicarbonates all the other the major hubs around the world at that time were like you know in in ireland and england and scotland belgium germany they were all doing darker beers because their water was not only hard, but it had a really high level of bicarbonates, meaning that its pH was very alkaline. And those dark roasts that they were using would drive down the pH to a more acidic level, which was appropriate for beer. You couldn't do that in in Pilsen. You couldn't take dark roasts because it would drive down the water pH too low. And so these light, lightly roasted malts were allowing them to kind of strike that balance naturally. And then as far as their soft water goes, they would actually have to add back salts. And oh really? Yeah. They would they would do that just to just to balance it back out because there just weren't enough of the hard chemicals in the water. So Pils is a, is a neat beer. Um, it's one that most brewers do consider to be like almost like the Holy Grail. If you can, if you can brew the perfect Pilsner, like you, you've brewed the perfect beer because it's, it's so, um, it's so easy to, to go wrong. Yeah. They say there's nothing there that you can hide behind. It's sure. It's a a naked beer.
1: So coming off of that thought, what are you thinking of this Millivar Czech Lager from Lazy Horse?
0: I think they've really found that that balance, that overall palatability that you want. There's nothing that stands out, like that really jumps out or catches your attention, and that's a good thing in this case. You can, if you focus on, you're looking for the hops, you're looking for the malt and what it provides for for the beer. You can find it, but it's not it's not grabbing your attention. You you gotta it forces you to think about the beer, which is good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you. This is just a beer that I could drink a lot of.
0: It's beer that you can drink a lot of without thinking about it, and that's a good thing. Or it's beer that you can drink a lot of thinking about it, yeah. And finding you know finding those notes that stand out, and and I don't know, like it's yeah. That's yeah. what a pilsner. That's I don't know. That's what pilsners do.
1: So as we move away from Lazy Horse, and before we move on to Northwest Room, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska.
0: The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer's industry creates a $600 million economic impact in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local business, something that's important now more than ever.
1: If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information.
0: You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting Nebraska.beer.
1: So let's put Michigan State in the rearview mirror just like the defense is going to and turn our attention to the Northwestern Wildcats. The Wildcats are scheduled to take on Nebraska on October 2nd, 2021. Kickoff is set for 6.30 p.m. on BTN. Nebraska is led by head coach Scott Frost, who currently sits at 2-3 on the season after a loss to Michigan State. Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats sit at 2-2 on the season after a win against Ohio. State? Nope, just Ohio. Oh, good for them. The spread is currently undefined, but Drew, what are your thoughts on what that spread might be?
0: If I had to, I would say it's probably going to be like, five and a half in favor of Nebraska.
1: I'm a little more bullish on Nebraska. I'm going to go with seven and a half uh, in their favor, but I think it's going to be a game where Nebraska is definitely expected to win and should take care of business against Northwestern. Yeah. Let's dive in and get into the fun stuff again, and let's start with special teams. What are your thoughts on special teams, either Nebraska or Northwestern, going into this game?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that I looked at from this Michigan State game was just our starting field position based on our the punting game and just what a disadvantage that was for Nebraska. I I don't think that Northwestern has quite the same pedigree. I don't think they're going to have the same game that Michigan State had. And so I feel like Nebraska should be able to get the defensive stops and better control field positions so that when their offense takes the field, they just don't have so much grass in front of them.
1: Absolutely. That was a definite factor against Michigan State was having to go almost 80 yards per drive just to every time pay dirt. yeah, yeah. It,
0: was, it was like cool like we got this really great stop we buried them deep in their territory and then their kicker would come in and just boot it to the moon and yeah. it was I mean that was you know as an offense you just you get the ball that's all you want cool give us a ball we'll go out and play but at the same time when that continues to happen that has to add up in some to some degree and one, one of the things about Northwestern that stands out when you look at them is they do average 23 yards per punt return. They have the ability to make teams pay, but if you really dig into it, the only team that they've truly made pay was Indiana State, which is, they've, they've not played a lot of good teams, but Indiana State's clearly the weakest team that they've played. If, if Nebraska doesn't show up, though, to, to cover those punts, that might be one area
1: where Northwestern can pop up and bite them. First of all, I, I agree with you. I actually had that written down that Northwestern does have a decent average on punt returns. Second off, how dare you insult the Sycamores like that? Sorry, Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree that Nebraska is going to have to be sound on their, on their their when they're kicking to Northwestern. They're going to have to make sure that they get those guys stopped. We saw that it was an area of opportunity against Michigan State, and we all saw how that hurt us. We can't let the same things happen when we're kicking to Northwestern. I'm concerned that that's actually the strongest part of their game is that punt return ability. So you want to take that out of the game when you're on special teams and make sure you're covering the right guy who's receiving the ball. or Just kick it out of bounds every time. Just kick it out of bounds. So the only thing that I had about Northwestern special teams that you didn't already mention was that their kickoff specialists are only putting the ball through the end zone 25% of the time. And that actually might play into Northwestern's favor. Nebraska's eyes tends to be tend to be a little bit bigger than their stomachs when it comes to kickoff returns. So if Northwestern's finding themselves in a situation where they are kicking off, it might play into their favor not to put it into the end zone and force Nebraska to make the decision of returning the ball. I don't think Nebraska has called a fair catch to get it to the 25 on a kickoff that hasn't gone into the end zone. So if Northwestern wants to pin Nebraska further back and play that field position game, knowing that punting and punt returning is a strength of theirs they might find themselves taking advantage of that and being ready to run downhill and stop Nebraska short of the twenty five. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be crucial for Nebraska to take touchbacks on kickoffs, regardless of where the ball is, because Northwestern with all of their deficiencies is very efficient when it comes to special teams. Yeah. So that's what I have for special teams. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add to it, but I think for special teams it's you know, we're we're on the same front. How about for how about for offense?
0: Whose? Ours. Ours? Yeah. What do you got?
1: So you're asking about offense and how Nebraska's offense will be able to attack Northwestern. Since you're throwing Marcus Aurelius quotes, I'm going to drop a Winston Churchill paraphrase. Lovely. We will attack them through the air. We will attack them on the ground. We will attack them in the end zone. I don't think that Northwestern's defense is going to have an answer for Nebraska in any way. This feels like a get-right game. I think that Northwestern's defensive line is slightly undersized come to me next year and I think that Pat Fitzgerald's going to have his team in a more better shape they returned the least amount of talent in the big 10 I believe so I think Nebraska is going to have the opportunity to maybe execute more of a game plan build up some confidence and we're going to see the offense shape up a little bit in this game where it might be a more basic game as far as the play calling goes but the execution will be there from the offensive side of the ball I'm not too concerned about Northwestern's defense. And if things get hairy, I think Nebraska through the air can just absolutely dismantle their secondary. And that the offensive line, as difficult as Nebraska's offensive line, has made it to watch as a fan. This is a game where they can actually hold off a lot of that pass rush. They can give Adrian time and through the air we're going to have whatever success we need. Yeah.
0: This undeserved confidence that we have, let's just let it keep rolling because it's just I, absolutely I, <laughs> stupid where we're just like
1: well, this past game we couldn't do dick. Now we can do everything. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm on the same page, but fr- from a from a different angle maybe, focus m- almost exclusively on that run game. If there was ever a game where Nebraska could get right with the offensive line, this is it. If you could pick an a, an opponent right now from the conference, Northwestern gives up 6.2 yards per carry to FBS opponents. Against Michigan State, they gave up 326 yards. Duke was 208, and Ohio was 179. Yeah, Nebraska, Nebraska can run the ball. This is a this is a confidence building game. If you can put it together, like if you just show up and and play, this is it. This is where we can we can start to again just build that confidence and put together. You know some drives that we can we can hang our hat on, and we can look back on the film. We like I'm in the room; they can look back on on film and and say, "Hey, here's here's where we all made our assignments. Here's where communication really came through for us. Here's where we just overpowered them and created lanes for our guys, and and now we can really see what Ramirez Johnson can do, yeah. what Step can do, in Morrison. This is." The perfect spot to meet northwestern for sure. this offense
1: i do think this is an opportunity where you can say okay we're capable of scoring points let's focus on things like the run game the pass game but also the red zone efficiency how efficient can we be once we're inside the 20 can we play a sound game i don't want to sound delusional like we're just riding off a pat fitzgerald coach team because right. we know they're going to come in sound we know that they may not play at the same athletic ability that nebraska's players play at but they will play well between the ears Always, They, they will yeah. play smart defense. They just may not have the athletes to keep up. So I think you're absolutely right. This is a get right game, but it's not, it's not a confirmed win. This is a game where you have to still stay within your assignments. You have to play sound, try not to overreach. And if the offense can do that, I think they can have an explosive game. It may not look impressive on the field, but when you look back at the end of the day at the stat sheet, you're going to see, oh, wow, we managed over five yards a carry we were picking up good yardage through the air because we were taking what the defense gave us and then maybe a couple of big plays come from that yeah
0: one of the one of the things where i guess there's some concern creeping in for me as far as our offense no, goes you know no, I, why no, not, not in this game yeah Get right. here.
1: i just said that whole it's, thing i don't mean it <laughs>
0: if you look at nebraska we all know this so if you exclude fordham nebraska points per play is only point two nine one while our yards per play is 5.9. Did you just say everyone knows this? Everybody knows
1: this. Everyone knows our You per play know the per play, yeah. point.
0: <laughs> you don't know the numbers, but you know when you see it, right? right. Nebraska is an inefficient offense. They can pile on the yards. They just cannot convert them into points. It's what they have been under Scott Frost. It's that last hurdle you feel like they have to clear. Northwestern's defense matches up well. Against Nebraska's offense in that sense, Northwestern gives up yards like nobody. Like they will just give them away for free, but you're not necessarily going to just go in and score
1: on them. Sure. So basically, what you're saying is this is the statistical response to they make you make mistakes.
0: Yes. You. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. They're not going to wow you with like their ability to necessarily generate turnovers. They're okay in that that sense. They do have a plus turnover margin, but yeah. You if you're gonna if you're going to lose to Northwestern, it's because they're playing sound football. They're not blowing you away, and you're
1: beating yourself. So, what do you think about Northwestern's offense? How that matches up against Nebraska's defense?
0: Well, I, you know, I, I I talked about our third down conversions against Michigan State. You know, the defense holding Michigan State to one of ten in that regard. Like that was that blew me away because that again that was the one one of the areas that I was really looking at where you know what what's your next step you where did you fail in your last game that you can improve in your next game and they they did it and then some really yeah and so if, if Nebraska can put Northwestern in unfavorable third downs I think they have a chance to truly be lights out sure like even more so than they already have been because Northwestern doesn't have a quarterback right now that they did they know is their guy they just don't have it and Whoever they're rotating in with their little game of musical chairs could just fall apart and, you know, throw three interceptions. They've got a backup running back. They lost Cam Porter, um, I think, before the season, if not early on. You know, Evan Hall, he he can run the ball. He's done well yeah. at filling in in the shoes of Cam Porter, but he's not necessarily going to blow us away, especially after we held Kenneth Walker. Right. You know, to below 70 yards.
1: Northwestern doesn't have the explosiveness that Michigan State has, but they do have a similar run approach where they're trying to get yards on the ground first and foremost because they don't have a quarterback they can trust in. Yeah, Nebraska made Thorne a one-dimensional quarterback because they took Walker out of the game. Same thing if that that goes up against Northwestern.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's where our strength as a defense and their weakness as an offense really determines the outcome of the game. Yeah, I don't
1: necessarily predict a high-scoring affair for Northwestern. A lot of the stuff you talked about I'm actually in agreement with, and I, I don't really have anything to add from a defensive front. The way that North, Northwestern likes to run the game, they're running the same yards that Nebraska tends to allow throughout the game, and you can see that defensively that doesn't make a huge impact on the game. And in fact, after Michigan State's game, that number's probably gone down as to what Nebraska's allowing per game because they didn't give up a lot of run yards. I guess my overall thought when it comes to Nebraska's defense is they match up incredibly well against what Northwestern's doing For the first time, I'm really seeing Nebraska playing fast and smart, which smart to me is always the thing that gets us caught against Northwestern. Yeah, I'll say it once. I've said it before already on this episode, but Northwestern beats you when you beat you. So Nebraska's defense is not playing with that get beat mentality. The offense is. That's the area that concerns me, but I think that the defense on Northwestern's side is inexperienced enough to where when the defense hands the ball back, and they'll do it a plenty. They show they can get off the field on third downs. They're making great tackles. They know how to take out a featured running back and make him ineffective throughout a game. All those things line up to where Nebraska could have a really great game against Northwestern, a team that always deals us headaches.
0: I don't think Northwestern is going to turn the ball over a ton against us i have that in part of my prediction as well um but yeah like you said it's i think the defense is going to be the thing that wins us this game and i think the offense is going to have enough opportunities where they will not have to capitalize every time
1: to win great it is now time for this week's sportsman sip before we reveal our predictions we'd like to raise a glass to our opponent and sample a beer local to their university This week we are drinking Beer for Movies, a popcorn kolsch from Off Color Brewing in Chicago, Illinois, in honor of the Northwestern Wildcats. Beer for Movies added popped popcorn
0: and grapevine smoked malt to the base of a zwickel styled kolsch. The final product registers at 4.5% ABV, making for a beer you can knock back during your favorite epic movie or a four-hour-long football game.
1: Absolutely. So Drew, what are your thoughts on this beer? We have some differing thoughts on this guy.
0: Yeah, we do. We, we've kind of taken a couple sips off air, so to speak, and um, just to kind of piece some things together. I I find this beer to be really fun to drink. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it sounds fun, right? Like when you hear about a smoked popcorn yeah. culture, you know, you, you kind of wonder what you're getting yourself into. On the nose, I don't pick up a, a ton, right? Like it's just, it's a, it smells like a typical coal, very clean yeah yeah and and so once you dive into it though like the smoke instantly hits me but it's smooth it's unoffensive if you don't tell me the popcorn is there i pick out sort of the butteriness to it but i don't necessarily identify it as like popcorn but as soon as i know that okay this is popcorn it's like oh yeah this is this is a popcorn beer
1: and see i don't pick up on a lot of that smoke but mm-hmm. i get a lot of that roasty popcorn-y maltiness that I'm that I'm catching and I really enjoy the flavor profile to this this is really clean it's really crisp I think that the popcorn and the smoked malt they work together very well to where it nothing is overpowering but everything is very much in harmony yeah this is just a really nice simple beer that's not simple at all
0: yeah yeah so, like I said it's just fun there are a lot of beers out there that try to stand out by throwing gimmicky things at you and smoked popcorn kolsch sounds gimmicky Mm -hmm. but when you can do something correctly like like we have here
1: yeah it's great i really enjoy it when when the beer comes up maybe to a little more temperature some of those flavors might come more pronounced to me on that front but lazy horse off color you guys have all done an excellent job we're we're very honored to have been able to sample all of your beer
0: yeah thanks for thanks for providing us drinks to console us in our time (laughs) of need
1: So cheers to off-color brewing and cheers to the wildcats of Northwestern University. Cheers. All right. Shall we shall we tink them? Tink. I didn't have to make the sound. But anyways, yeah, all right. time to get into our game predictions for Nebraska versus Northwestern. Drew, I'm gonna let you go first. Your too early prediction for Nebraska versus Northwestern was 30 to 17 in Nebraska's favor. Look forward to hearing what you have to say and if that prediction has changed.
0: Okay. okay. All right, here we go. According to the Kubler Ross model, the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Preseason, I was in denial about the possibility that the same problems plaguing us in the past would continue to cost us games this year. I became angry after the Illinois game, not only angry we lost, but angry at myself for once again drinking the proverbial Kool-Aid. After Fordham, I sank into depression. I saw only the negative side of things. I lost all hope. And then Buffalo and Oklahoma came along, and I was willing to bargain. Look, we may have glaring issues that are holding us back from winning games, but I can live with that. I'm willing to settle for less if we win the games we ought to win and stay competitive in the games we ought to lose. And now Michigan State. Five games. Five stages. The final stage of acceptance. I've accepted the team for what it is. And so looking at Northwestern, instead of offering what I expect, here is what I accept. I accept that Nebraska will gain over 500 yards of offense. I accept Ramir Johnson will rush for 120 yards. I accept that Austin Allen will rumble for 60 yards on five catches, including a touchdown. And I accept that Torre will have another 100-yard receiving game. I also accept that Martinez will be sacked four times and pressured at least a dozen other times. I accept that we will turn the ball over on downs once in the red zone. I accept that our special teams will give up a big punt return, but I also accept that it won't be for a touchdown. I accept that our defense will dominate a Northwestern offense that's bad even by Northwestern standards. I accept... (laughs) Yeah, how do you like that for underhanded... Alright, I accept the fact that this dominance will lead to only one turnover, and it will not result in any points. Also underhanded, but against us. I accept the fact that I will sit through another low-scoring, ugly affair that leaves a lot to be desired. I accept that I have said I accept way too many times. It's also really hard to pronounce I accept. Well, you're (laughs) kind of buzzing. After a couple drinks, yeah. I accept the fact that I will, where am I? I accept that I I have said I accept way too many times at this point, so I will only say it once more. I accept the same mistakes, the same struggles, the same setbacks, the same suffocating defense, the same sputtering offense, and the same flashes of brilliance from some brilliant players. I accept the same what-ifs and what-the-fucks, and a final score of 24-9 to nine in favor of the only team I will ever grieve this deeply for and accept no matter what. I I think that our offense will be what our offense is and our defense will be what our defense is. I don't think that Northwestern scores a touchdown. I, I think would love those are, that. Yeah, I think that's three, three boots, three field goals for them. Nice. We put it in the end zone a few times. I think we struggle in the red zone, like I said. I think we have an error here and there that... That it's like this score could have been that much better. Sure, twenty-four to nine, we we dominate, we control the game, but again, we could have been better.
1: That's fair. Well, my two early score prediction was thirty-one to ten, Nebraska, and I've expounded on that.
0: Let's hear it because I'm yeah, I'm interested. To, how do we score over thirty-one? I don't know touchdowns. <laughs>
1: It's homecoming week and Nebraska returns to Memorial Stadium to take on noted not rival rival Northwestern under the lights. I have no doubt that both Northwestern fans and all 90,000 Nebraska fans will turn out for this one. Pat Fitzgerald is a great football coach. He finds talent hidden in pockets all across the country and brings them to Northwestern to earn a world-class education while playing smart, sound, physical football. And he's able to do all of that while looking like all four of the main characters of King of the Hill combined. Northwestern success comes in waves. (laughs) They will go on a two- to three-year run, then hit a full lull as the next batch of All-American linebackers grow and develop. Based on the start to this season, we've found the next lull. Nebraska's experience on both sides of the ball will be on full display when the Wildcats come to town. It's not a knock against Fitz and his boys. It's merely a result of the way he does business. Although this game is typically one where both teams play to the other's ability, Nebraska holds a significant edge. The Huskers' offense worked to dismantle the Hello Kitty defense, while the Blackshirts get a bigger rush than when I stand up too fast after too many beers. Next year in Ireland will be a fun matchup against two more even teams, but this year, so long as Nebraska plays their game and doesn't try to do too much, it should be Big Red wire to wire. Nebraska takes the Stray Cats to the pound, 39-13. Wow.
0: Wow, 39? Yeah. We can put up that many points? I think Are so. they all offensive? I don't know. I didn't think too. That, I can't so see I, the future. I, yeah.
1: <laughs> I can only predict it. One of my favorite things that you did during the Oklahoma preview was when you just said "fuck it" and you, you know, threw <laughs> caution to the wind and you just gave your prediction. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing here.
0: Um, my hesitancy to to fully embrace what you're embracing is that Nebraska does not know yet how to kick people while they're
1: down. That's a excellent point.
0: I, I feel like we're gonna beat them, and I, I feel like we're gonna do it soundly. Yeah. But I just don't think it's going to be it's not going to be comfortable the way that we want it to be comfortable or the way that it even should be.
1: I and and that's where I think we disagree. You know, my score, whatever, it doesn't matter. Thirty nine, 13. It's more about the fact that I actually do think this is going to be a comfortable game. I do think this is one where we we get ahead, we play ahead and we're ahead the whole time. This is one of those games where the coaching staff can make some mistakes when they're playing with a lead. The offense and the defense can make some mistakes while playing with the lead, but it's not going to hurt us because we have the talent advantage, and we will have enough of that advantage to move forward. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, yeah, I hope so. I hope I, I hope it is a comfortable one. I hope that we we play up to expectation. I hope we play up to our our talent level. I hope that the offense just in general just you know just comes together and and can look at the defense and say. They've carried us long enough. They have held on to this mentality. They've bought into whatever Frost and the coaching staff has been preaching this entire time. Now it's our turn to, you know, to, to put it all together.
1: And I think that if it's not this game, when, when? it's not yeah. any game. So it, yeah. I, I just have to hold out hope that it's this game. Yeah.
0: Or go Purdue. through. or. <laughs> I was going to say, just go through your grief stages and and accept accept reality. Just wait for Purdue. (laughs) Before we say goodbye, we want to give you another chance to win our season-long prize package, something we almost never forget to do, including a game used Nebraska football and
1: local brewery swag. For this week's entry, email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with your updated season prediction. Will Nebraska finish above 500? Will they make a bowl game? Let us know if you think they'll go 8-4, and 7-5, and 6-6, six and six, or God forbid worse.
0: Remember, only one entry per episode and you don't have to be correct to win. If you're a new listener or haven't entered for our earlier episodes, you can do so until we give the prize away.
1: Just make sure to include your first and last name in your email entry.
0: That does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation.
1: Don't forget to follow us on social media at ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Lazy Horse Brewing by visiting lazyhorsevineyard.com. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, Visit wannabewalkons.com
1: to submit your recommendation. Tune in next week as we take a swing at Divots Brewing in Norfolk, Nebraska. React. That was a good
0: one. (laughs) Sorry. We interrupt this program to say nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tune in next week as we take a swing at Divots Brewing from Norfolk, Nebraska. React to the Northwestern game and preview Michigan.
0: Thanks for listening, and as always, drink big red.
1: Drink Big Red.